but today we are finishing Ephesians, and if you see the title, it is on spiritual warfare, that's why I've got my shirt, Fight the Good Fight, right. right? We need to fight, and fight the right fight, that's what we're going to talk about, but uh, through this whole series, we've been talking about finding our true identity. What does it mean to be uh, a Christian? Because there's a lot of opinions out there today uh, about what it means to be a, a Christian, am I right? You can ask people, they got all kinds of opinions, but we have to allow the Bible to be our foundation that determines who we are in Christ. Our actions, our thoughts, our attitudes, all of that have to line up with God's Word. And where it doesn't line up, guess what's right? God's Word, not our opinion, right? And, and Pastor Colleen already mentioned, in two days, we're going to be voting. Aren't you thankful we still live in a nation where our voice can be heard? Even if you feel like it gets drowned out, I encourage you to go vote. Uh, there's some important propositions. Prop 1, I pray that you guys will uh, go and vote. And, and yes, I'm going to tell you, vote no on that. I don't know if you realize that it's the whole abortion up until birth uh, bill. It needs to be voted down. Let your vo voice be heard on that. Uh, but I want to put that out there because I want you to understand that I am not against politics, okay? I don't talk about it uh, in a positive light sometimes because what I am against is political affiliations or opinions having a greater influence in your life than God's Word, right. right? Some people have elevated and they've put politics over God's Word. God's Word has to be number one, That's right. amen? Has to be. So, I, I'm, I mean, you may not realize it. I am a patriotic American. I'm thankful for that. I served two and a half years in the Army Reserve and five years in active duty. And yes, we suffered in Hawaii. It was a rough duty station, but I just got to say, somebody's got to do those rough ones. Uh, so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful uh, for my rights as an American, aren't you, that we have here? But here's the thing. I understand that my rights as an American are not as important as my responsibilities as a Christian. My rights as an American are not as important as my responsibility as a Christian. We have to realize that. I can't allow my American citizenship to be more important than my heavenly citizenship. Right? Because I am a citizen of heaven before I'm a citizen of America. So one trumps the other, and I'm not using that as there as a word. I'm just saying American citizenship needs to come second to what God has called me. And I want to say the church in America sometimes is defined by other things than God's Word. Yeah. Sometimes we've allowed that. And if we're going to see a real revival, Pastor Colleen, let me tell you, I felt God's presence as she was praying. Hallelujah. That was spiritual warfare right there. But if we really want to see revival uh, that we're praying for, we've got to, as a church, return to God's Word. Amen? Wouldn't you guys agree with that? Uh, we have to be biblical Christians, not defined by our opinions, but by God's Word. And let me tell you, I've got opinions. Anybody have opinions here? Right? I've got all kinds of opinions. I've got opinions on COVID. I could tell you about it. I've got opinions on politics. I've got opinions on vaccinations. Anybody got opinions on that, right? I've even got opinions on the right football team that you should be cheering for. Right? So, uh, who? The Broncos. But I'm not going to get into that because none of those things matter more than Jesus. 
Right? None of those things matter more. And I want to say this. If you are known more for your opinion than for your Lord and Savior, how many of you know something's wrong? All right? That is sad. So, and let me just say this. I, I'm not in the mood to suffer. Anybody like to suffer? Nobody got like the uncomfortable seat. I didn't have one with splinters and stuff on it. We wouldn't take that, right? I don't like suffering. I don't like criticism. I don't like opposition. And I certainly don't look forward to any kind of persecution. Anyone else? No, I have a persecution sign up on the back there if you guys want to sign up for a little bit of that. No, we don't like it. But I want to say that we have to learn to face and endure those things according to God's word. Even if it's unpopular. Do you realize there's a lot of God's word that's not very popular? How many of our men were in our men's Bible study on Friday? We were in Romans 13. Uh, that was a rough passage. I'm just telling you, that was a rough passage. And it's like, oh man, God, I've got to... Act. And you, you can look at it later, but it's like, uh, we realize we can't pick and choose what part of the Bible we want to follow and what we can Right? It's either all or you're not doing it. We can't allow our society, our convenience, our personal preference. We've got to obey God's word. Right? We've got to follow that. And so today, we're coming to another area, I think, in, in Ephesians that's caused a lot of confusion, uh, a lot of disagreements, and at the same time has sold people a lot of books on spiritual warfare. A lot of ideas on that. Anybody hear any some wacky stuff on spiritual warfare before? Yeah, I mean, there's some interesting thoughts that are out there on that. And, and let me just say, some people really struggle to believe that spiritual warfare even exists. Demons, witchcraft, the devil, supernatural, that all sounds like a lot of Hollywood, doesn't it? Let me just say, even there are some Christians that don't believe that the demonic really exists. It's like that if there's surveys that have been done. I can't even remember the portion of people that consider themselves a Christian. They're like, well, Satan, he's kind of a symbol of evil. He's just a form of evil. So this spiritual warfare stuff isn't necessary. So there's that group of people that don't even think it's real. And then there's this other side of the spectrum that basically ascribe any bad thing that happens in life, it's got to be the devil or demons. Right, anything. Like I was going to the store and I couldn't find a parking spot. Man, the devil is attacking me today. He is on me. Oh man, I can't keep drinking. The devil keeps making me do it. Right, grabs puts it up there, right there. Right, I can't control my devil, uh, my temper. The devil's really after me. I'm trying, I'm trying. My kids won't go to sleep, and it's not because they just got a lot of candy from the trunk or treat last week. Right, it's an attack of the devil. He's keeping them up. He's pro it's, it's, I was planning on going golfing, and it's raining outside. That devil, he just won't leave me alone, right? He's just messing with me. Uh, I went and got a taco, and they stuck cilantro in it. That's the devil for sure. <laughs> Why? And not only that, I got another meal, and somebody stuck celery with dental floss on it, right? Because that's what that string stuff is right there. That is the devil hard at work against me. Just trying to ruin my day, right? So let me just say... Demon hunters sometimes overemphasize some passages, de-emphasize others, and as a result, sometimes we give the Satan and the demon more credit than they deserve, right? So which one is right? Those that, that deny the enemy's existence or the ones that see a demon behind every bush? Can I say both of those are extreme? Uh, neither one is biblical. Satan can't be everywhere at all times. 
How many of you know? Yeah, he, he is a created being. Only God has that ability, right? He is, the Bible uses this word, omnipresent, which means he's everywhere at all times. The devil is not. He's limited. The demons are limited in what they can. So we need to understand that. But at the same time, we have to identify evil really does exist. Right? There is a real enemy. There are real demons out there. Demons are simply fallen angels. I'm not going to get into a whole teaching of that. They are real. I mean, Jesus was casting demons out. He wasn't casting out symbols of evil. Right? <laughs> Those were real demons that were there. And uh, let me just say this. When, uh, when someone places their faith in Jesus, what does the Bible say so- happens in heaven? Right. All of heaven rejoices. Right? Now, what do you think the devil does when that happens? Yeah, he gets mad. Do you think he's up there saying, let's throw a pity party. We've lost another one. What are we going to do now? You know, I guess we'll just give up and move on to the next person. Does he do that? Yeah, exactly. He steps it up, right? Heaven rejoices, but hell fights back, right? When somebody gives their life to the Lord, it's like, oh man, it's double time on that person. We're going to bring temptations. We're going to bring distractions. We're going to bring deception because the enemy does not like giving up anyone. Right? God never gives up on you, but let me tell you, the enemy doesn't give up either. And so there's this constant battle, and I believe it's real. Evil fights, I believe, personally to destroy those that are followers of Jesus. That's his number one target. Satan wants, here's the thing Satan wants you to think you're not capable of fighting him, you're not strong enough to fight him. You're, you're, uh, it's only reserved for those special, super spiritual people that can fight the enemy. You can't do it. Right? You don't have that kind of power in you. You're not, you don't have the right education. You don't have the right training. How many of you know that's a lie? Right? That's a lie. Fighting evil, it's not about how much scripture you can quote, although that's helpful. It, it doesn't require you to know all the tricks and all the strategies of the devil. Let me figure him out all the way. It's not about education or information that prepares you for that. You don't even need, there's, there, actually, there's not a spiritual gift of uh, uh, spiritual warfare, right? That's not listed anywhere in there. I want to tell you that whether you've been a Christian for 40 years, 40 days, or even for 40 minutes, how many of you know you are qualified to fight, yeah. right? You are qualified to fight. The world is in this battle, which is really what he's been going through in Ephesians between two kingdoms. Actually, the whole Bible really talks about that. There's the kingdom of light, which is God's kingdom, and there's this kingdom of darkness. And so this battle is going on, and Paul spent much of Ephesians trying to challenge the, the, the craze of darkness, right, and to begin to walk as children of the light. We talked about that last week. If you missed it, uh, it's online. You can check it out. But it's really a process, isn't it? When you become a follower of Christ, I have to begin to leave away the darkness. I've got to stop walking in alliance with my old self and begin to walk in my new self. So there's this whole process that's going on. And let me say, when Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, this was uh, around 60 AD is when scholars put the writing of that book. Paul knew something was up because he's in jail in Rome and the anti-Christian sentiment is growing in, the, in that city. 
right? It's not getting like, oh, yeah, well, we're, we're just going to put up with the Christians. No, he could see that stuff was rising. And only four years after the writing of Ephesians is when Nero began an unbelievable difficult time for Christians, persecuting, arresting them. Uh, in the year 64 AD, what, one of the things that he would do, maybe you've read about it, is that they would impale Christians on a pole, light them up on fire in order to have their parties. Can you imagine? That's horrible. That was a very difficult time. The whole uh, arena, all of that stuff. And so Paul saw what was coming. And his instructions to the church, listen, this is how you're going to have to fight. right? This is how you're going to have to stand against the enemy. And so he starts out in Ephesians 6.10, finally. Think about this. After everything that he's been writing in, uh, in the book of Ephesians, he gets here. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Amen? In his mighty power. So if you have that, highlight that word his, because how many of you realize on your own, you don't have what it takes to fight the enemy? You don't have it, right? If we try to uh, take on Satan in our own strength, in our own wisdom, in our own power, can I tell you you're going to fail miserably? We're not going to do it. I've got to read one of my favorite stories out of the book of Acts where a group of people tried to do just that. Uh, Acts 19, verse 13, it says, A group of Jews were traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. The seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried, the evil spirit replied, now this would probably be scary, right, if you don't know the Lord. I know Jesus and I know Paul, but what does he say? Who are you, right? Then the man with the evil spirit leapt on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. And uh, I I think this is where the title of the show, I've never watched it, but Naked and Afraid came from. (laughs) Right? That's where, that's where it happened. Listen, the power of Jesus, how many of you know it's not an incantation? Oh, I'm going to use the name of Jesus. And it's like, if you don't know Jesus, you can't use that. You can't like, let me just borrow. And that's what these, what these guys were doing. Let me borrow the power of Jesus from Paul and try to use that. You can't do that. So the, the seven keys of uh, spiritual warfare that I want to cover today, number one, you've got to be born again. You've got to have Jesus on the inside. You can't like, well, my parents had faith, my friends got faith, these people got faith. If I'm going to fight uh, the spiritual powers, I've got to have Jesus here because the, Jesus, the power comes from him. Amen. Not from me, not my, from my power, not from my boldness. Man, I'm bold. None of that can defeat the enemy other than the power of Christ in me. Amen? Yes. Romans 5, 10, and 11 says this, For sin... Since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son uh, while we were still his enemies, how many of you realize before you become a believer, we have positioned ourselves to be an enemy of God? And God is not going to work through his enemy in that way. But he says, we will certainly be saved through the life of a son. Now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Amen? Amen. So when you're a friend of God, guess what? Christ is on the inside of you, and you can fight, right? You can stand. Not because you're strong, not because you have any spiritual power on your own, only because the power of Christ resides in me. Amen? 
Listen, if you think you can quote some kind of incantation, throw some garlic at the devil, hold up a cross. How many of you know, you, first of all, you've been watching too many movies. You're going to be defeated, right? You're going to be naked and scared running away, right? It's not our power. We can't do it on our own. Ephesians 6.10, again, he says, be strong in the Lord and in, everybody say, his, his mighty power, right? When fighting the enemy, we are told to stand in God's power. Good news is that we're not alone in this fight, right? You're not alone. We don't fight in our strength and our power. Uh, number two is your strength comes from the Lord. That's where it comes from. And we've got to always remember that because sometimes, you know what, spiritually I feel a little bit stronger than other times. Anybody ever there? And it's like, but if I start thinking that's my power and my strength and I think I can do this, if I ever feel like I got this, how many of you know that's when I don't got it? Right? It's only in Him. So your strength comes from God. I, I, I want to read this Psalms, Psalms 121, verse 1 and 2. He says, I lift up my eyes to the hill. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, I want you to understand, in Israel, back in those days, when they were in a tough situation, and the enemy, some enemy invading army was coming in, they would try to send out letters to other kings that were around, come and join us in the fight, come and be a part of us, stand with us, and we'll stand with you. Uh, so sometimes they look for other places, but the psalmist is saying, uh, where does my help come? It comes from the Lord. Not calling on us, some other nation or anything else. And it says this. He goes, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber or sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon at night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. God is the one that we need to call out to. Spiritual warfare doesn't require our own personal strength or power because it's not about us. Our help comes from who? The Lord, right? I, I love this out of Paul. When Paul was, uh, you know, the thorn in his flesh, we talk about that a lot. And, it's, and he says, though, a messenger from Satan has been sent. And, and he pleaded with God to take that away. But I love the response that God gives to Paul. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Right? I mean, I, I, if you've been in the church for a while, we've heard that. But then he goes on to say, I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Does anybody do that? Now, I don't mind, you know, you fill out an application. They say, what are some of your strengths and some of your weaknesses? You know, oh, man, I'll go all day long on my strengths. I'm this and I'm that and I'm that. List your weaknesses. Ah, well, which one doesn't sound so bad? If you don't know what your weaknesses are, if you're married, ask your spouse. They'll, they'll fill it in for you, right? But he's saying, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's power may rest on me. When I understand my weakness, that, he goes, that is why for Christ's sake, again, this is kind of weird, this is so countercultural, I delight in weaknesses, in insults. Anybody, man, bring me some more insults. All right, that's awesome. In hardships, in persecution, in difficulty. Why? Because Paul understood when he is weak, that's when we're strong. 
Again, God's Word sometimes is so countercultural, right? It's awesome, you know, to think, man, I can be okay with my weaknesses and not be afraid. I think I had this mental picture this morning as I was studying over this and just praying over it. And uh, you know the tag team wrestling that they do? Somebody's in there, they got to tap out in the other one. I think sometimes we're like, man, I'm in there, I'm going to fight this battle. I'm going to do it. You know, and the enemy's just kicking our butt all over the place, but we're going to keep doing it. We're going to get it. You know what God's doing? He's on the outside of the ring waiting for us to tap out. Say, okay, I can't do this anymore, God. I don't have the strength. I don't have the power. I don't have it. He's waiting for us to finally get to the end of our rope so we say, God, it's time for you. And guess what? He comes in. And how many of you know, then the tide turns, right? So that's number three. When I am weak, guess what? God is strong. He's strong. Listen, this whole idea of fake it till you make it, that's horrible advice. Can I tell you that? That's horrible advice. Don't fake it. Just say, you know what, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't do this on my own. My only hope, God, is in you. Lord, maybe you're raising your kids and you're like, oh, man, I don't know what to do here. Call out to God. Maybe you're in a situation financially and you're trying to figure things out and you're trying to juggle plates. Uh, you're trying to figure out how to get gas in your car and food on your home. Like, instead of trying to say, God, I need your help. I'm in a situation. I can't do this on my own, Lord. I am weak and I need you. That is not a shame thing because that's when you begin to walk in the strength that God has given you. And understand, again, you're not fighting alone. Right? The powerful, almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, he is waiting at the ring, waiting for you to tap out and say, come, Lord, I need you. Where does my help come from? It comes from the maker of heaven and earth, right? Understand that. But at the same time, I want to tell you, don't ever be naive. Don't assume that you're not going to face trials, temptations, and struggles. Nobody's deceived by that, right? But here's the thing. Sometimes we uh, kind of go along and things surprise us, right? Why do they call a surprise birthday party a surprise? Yeah, you don't know about it, right? Like if you knew about it, it wouldn't be a surprise. It's like, yeah, you didn't really surprise me. I already knew. I saw all the cars parked out there right there. Here's the, here's the principle in this. What you expect is not going to surprise you. If I know the enemy is going to attack me, if I expect it, if I'm ready for it, then whenever it happens, he won't blindside me. Right? We've all been blindsided by things before, right? Something came, man, I was just bebopping along in life, and all of a sudden, this train came and just wrecked me, right? That's what the enemy does. But if you're not surprised, if you, if you like, I know it's coming. I know the enemy's going to come. I know that he's going to try to attack. Listen, it may be when you're weak and down. It may be when you're up and feeling like you got it all together. Uh, how many of you know, the enemy doesn't, it doesn't matter. He'll kick you when you're down and when you're up. He doesn't mind whatever it is. He knows how to come after us, right? So we, if we know it's coming, then we've got to be ready for the fight. We've got to be ready. We've got to be on guard at all times, amen? What does Paul say? He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes, right? I've got to put it on. And this word schemes right here, uh, the Greek word to it is uh, where we get the word method, right? Methodia. It's scheming, craftiness, wiles, or strategies. Let me tell you, the enemy has a method on how to attack each one of us. He's got strategies that are designed for each one of us because we all got different weaknesses. Am I right? 
Your weakness may not be my weakness. And so the enemy has methods and designs specifically planned for you. The thing that may uh, trip you up may not trip me up. But guess what? The things that trip me up may not trip you up. And so he doesn't do a blanket thing. He has these strategies. And Paul is saying, listen, put on the armor. He knows your weaknesses. Don't be afraid of that. But we do need to be prepared. And I love the fact that he uses this word picture that was very familiar to everybody back in biblical days because they lived under the Roman Empire. He calls it the armor of God. They understood armor. They understood helmets. They understood shields, breastplates, all of that stuff. And so he connects it to that because they saw what the Roman soldiers, and he says, put on that full armor. And what I want to encourage you is that when you put it on, guess what? You don't take it off. Right? There is no, uh, uh, like, you know what? The enemy's only going to attack you between 9 to 5. After that, you can take off your armor. You have a nice dinner with your family. Uh, have a good rest. But be prepared tomorrow morning because 9 o'clock, he's coming back. Or I better put my armor back on. No, you put it on and you keep it on. Everybody say, keep it on. Keep it on. i got to keep it on. It's not like a football uniform, like, oh, man, the game's coming. I better put my football uniform on, you know, and uh, get ready for the... No, it's all the time. Enemy's not worried if it's 3 o'clock in the morning and you're sleeping really good, right? He'll take that opportunity if he has that uh, chance. I love Ephesians 6.12 out of the message. It says, this is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels, Right? This is, a, this is all the time. We've got to, and when, just so you know, in case you don't, his angels are actually the fallen angels that we also call demons. So I'm not getting to that whole teaching, but that's what he's talking about. We put the armor on. We keep it on for whenever the enemy attacks. We've got to be ready. We've got to stand. We've got to fight. And guess what? We get to win. Right? If you will do all of that, and I'm going to talk about that again. If we're ready and prepared and we'll fight, yeah, the enemy may knock us down a time or two, but guess what? We win in the end. Amen? So we fight a real devil. There are real demons. There's real evil out there. And part of the devil's grand deception is to convince you that he's not real. If he can convince you that he's not real, this is all, you know, this is all a bunch of hocus pocus stuff, right? And even using that word is not good, right? So uh, uh, that is, uh, if, if we fall for that, how many of you know, if you don't believe that there's a real enemy out there, you're gonna, he's just going to take pop shots at you all the time, right? He's going to mess with you all the time. Satan's power, all you got to do is look around our world and you can see it's very clear. It's evident. And it has to be resisted at all costs, right? The fight, it's not simple. It's going to be a battle. Uh, as Satan works against you, your family, uh, the church, our, our nation, our world, we've got to get ready to fight and to stand firm, hold our position against the enemy. Amen? And we stand with each other, right? That's why it's so great about it. Oh, I don't need, I don't need to go to church to uh, serve God. It's true. You don't have to go to church. But I want to tell you what, it's a whole lot fight, easier fighting a battle when you've got other people on your left and your right. Right? It's one thing when everything's great, but I want to tell you, the enemy will attack, and it's good to have people that will be around and pray with you, for you, fight with you. Uh, that's why we pray. On Thursday nights, we pray. We, have, we're pray. we pray for our missionaries around the world. We've got missionaries in Ukraine. How many of you, I hope you guys pray for them on a regular basis. 
because they're fighting a real battle over there. So let's move on. Why do we need to have on this full armor? Uh, I'm going to read verse 12 out of the NIV. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. People. <laughs> exactly. Right? Flesh and blood is people, right? But against rulers and against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil, where? In the heavenly realm. Right? He's talking about the difference between a natural war and a spiritual war. And I think too many times, Christians, we're fighting the wrong battle. Right? We're fighting people. What's going on with that? That's not your, the struggle is not against, our fight is not against flesh and blood. And too many people are fighting politicians. Right? We're fighting political parties. For the last two and a half years, fighting the CDC. Right? Y'all quiet on that one. How about the media? Oh, man, that media. The media, right? The government, right? Sadly, some Christians are even fighting other Christians. You see, you see it, you've probably seen it. Some people have left churches, they've left marriages, they've left families, long-term friendships because of an improper focus on what the battle really is. They thought it was people. They thought we're fighting flesh and blood. Listen to me, and don't throw anything until you hear me out, okay? The government is not your enemy. The President of the United States is not your enemy. Right? The CDC is not your enemy. Right? The people that wear masks and get vaccinations, they're not your enemy. You may make fun of them, but they're not your enemy, okay? People that don't wear masks and don't get vaccines are not your enemy either. It's not mandates, it's not restrictions, it's not media, it's not your neighbor that lets his trash blow into your yard. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, so don't waste your energy fighting people. Give me, number five, fight the right battle. Man, can I get a, like, like, fight the right battle. Your real enemy is Satan. He really is. The Bible tells us we are engaged in a spiritual battle. And you don't win spiritual battles with natural weapons. Do you you got to pick the weapon based on who the enemy is. Like, how many of you guys like fishing? Anybody like going fishing? So if you're out there fishing, you're catching the fish, right? What would happen if a bear came at you? Would you like, oh man, let me get my fishing pole. Right? I'm going to whoop this bear with my fishing pole. Right? How many of you know, wrong weapon. It's time to pull out the shotgun or some other big heavy gauge something, right? You've got to fight the right enemy with the right weapon. So you can't outfight spiritual battles with natural weapons. You've got to use spiritual weapons. Amen? Amen. Now let me just uh, say this. Do human beings participate in the evil in this world? Are there human beings that are complicit with the enemy's plans? They're walking, lock, and step in it. That's why we sometimes confuse and we think people are our enemy. Jesus died for all people. Right? But sometimes we get confused because of their complicity in this evil. We don't fight them. We fight the spiritual powers that are behind them. The spiritual powers that are motivating. The spiritual powers that are whispering into their ears, right? Here's the reality. Think about this. If you get rid of the people, the spiritual powers behind them are still there. And guess what they're doing? They'll just raise up somebody else, right? You're like taking pop. Oh, I got rid of that guy. Great. You know what? Spiritual powers are still there. And guess what? There's always another clown in line, amen? Right? And I'm nothing against clowns or anything like that. But I just want to say... uh, 
It's kind of like fighting, you know, your body has a sickness and it's like if you just treat the symptoms and you never get to the real problem, how many of you know, you're not going to get better, right? Oh, let me just take this medication it gets rid of that symptom, but I still got whatever it is that's going on. We've got to to wise up. So he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heaven realm. And Paul says, therefore, since you know this, I just read that, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand right? Stand. Do you notice that's a key word in that paragraph right there, uh, that scripture right there? And that is a military term meaning to hold a critical position. God has called us to hold, to stand, not just like, okay, well, I'm standing. No, you stand your ground, right? The Roman soldiers were known for their courage and resolve. They did not retreat. That's why the enemies, that's why the Roman world spread like it did is because their enemies knew, listen, they're coming and they're not going to retreat. They're not going backwards on any situation. So Paul tells them, put on that full armor for when the day of evil comes. And how many of you know it's not only come, how many of you think it's here? It's here. So I want to be able to stand my ground. And he says, after done everything to stand, keep standing. And I just want to say this, in general, the Christian church, there's a lot of people that have said a lot, done a lot, but really, I mean, but really have done nothing, right? And we've ran, done the wrong things, quit, uh, relied on something other than God's power, run away, done little to nothing and complain about situations. I can't believe everything's like that. Maybe done a couple of things and like, feel like they've done everything right. And, and, And again, general statement, but I want to say this, that the church in America in general, has proven to be very weak, timid, and fearful. Okay, I'm not saying that as a slam, but I want to tell you this last two and a half years, COVID revealed that to us. COVID revealed a whole lot because of a virus. Do you realize that roughly one third of the church no longer goes to church or even watches online? And you may not notice it in a lot of the smaller churches, it's a little less evident, uh, but there are some larger churches, two, two churches that I know specifically uh, in Sacramento, one of them that used to run about 5,000 people and now are lucky to hit 3,000 people. Where did 2,000 people go, right? A church that was running 2,000 now may have 1,200 people at it, right? So where did all the people go? It's not like anybody was burned at the stake. Nobody was thrown into prison. It was a virus, right? It was a virus. Do you really think, and let me just say this, do you really think that we're going to stand strong in persecution if a virus is enough to make people walk away? I'm just just thinking out loud here, just preaching out loud here. Listen, I believe that it's time for us to leave weakness and fear behind. It's time for the, the church has run from evil for far too long. We don't have to hide in the hills. Oh no, the, you know, the government, this, that, and the other thing. We don't have to run from culture. If I say anything, nobody's going to like me. It's time to uh, not live in fear, but to realize the power that God has available to us, right? We can't keep giving up ground because we're afraid of the enemy or what other people might think. So we've got to get ready for battle and stand, right? Stand our, stand strong. And I'm not talking about standing for my personal rights. Ah, my personal rights. Stop worrying about that. I'm talking about how about stand 
to take a stand against sin from getting a foothold in your own life. Right? If you want victory over the enemy, you've got to stand. You've got to stand righteously. I've got to like, you know what? I've got to say no to sin and yes to Christ and, and live that righteous life. So it's time for us to take a stand against Satan, against the forces of evil. And I know it's easy to get fired up about what's wrong in our world. Am I right? Anybody ever get fired up? Oh, my hand's up, right? <clears throat> I can't believe this is going on, right? I can't believe he said that or she said that. It's easy to do that, but listen, we can't neglect the difficult, necessary work of making sure that evil doesn't have any place in my own life. That's my first battle, right? I want to go out and battle the forces of evil, but I haven't even done the battle in my own life, right? I got to get victory there. Put on that full armor of God that when that day of evil comes, I'm going to be able to stand my ground. And after doing everything, to still be standing there. I like, I like that verse out of uh, the message version, the same verse right there. He says, be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help that you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, guess what? You'll still be on your feet. Can I tell you, when that virus hit and all the smoke and all the confusion and what's going on, I can't believe all this is happening. When the dust final, finally settled, there was a third of the church not standing anymore. But you guys are here, so hey, listen, thumbs up, right? You got, you got, and if you're watching online, keep standing, right? We, I, I wish we had time to go over this whole passage about all of the armor of God, uh, but I did cover this a few months back, back in January. So I'm not going to preach on all the aspects of the armor, but if you happen to miss it or you want to refresh it, here we go. That was me preaching it. I got the helmet of salvation on right there. So it was the last Sunday of uh, January that I spoke specifically about all of the armor of God. And uh, you can go back to it, watch it, but I'm going to read it to you uh, right here. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. After you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Amen. Amen. So I encourage you, walk in that. God's given us victory. And uh, I want to give you my last point. And then we're going to make a declaration. And we're going to pray for one another before this is all over. We don't really have much of an altar space. So we're going to take a moment to pray for one another. Because if you're here in a spiritual battle, if you're struggling right now, listen, you don't need to fight it alone. First of all, God's with you. But not only that, you've got brothers and sisters that are right here that will stand with you. Amen? So be alert. There it goes over there. Which is fine. You can move it over there. Be alert uh, against the enemy's scheme. And, and I said this earlier. We, if you fight, guess what? You're going to win. If you will choose to stand against the enemy, submit to God, resist the devil, and what will he do? Flee. He will flee. But you've got to submit, and you've got to resist. You've got to resist. It's, this is not like watching your sports team and saying, man, I sure hope they win today. 
right? How many of you know, if you, if you stand and you keep standing, we win, right? Anybody ever read the back of the book, right? We win, right? We will win. You, you know, your, your fight, it, it may be difficult, it may be challenging, but when evil comes, if we will stay ready, if we're prepared for it, and we realize our strength is in God, you're going to come out on the other side a victor. Amen? Yeah, you may get dirty, you may stumble, but don't, you know, once you get knocked down, don't stay down, get back up. Call somebody, hey, listen, man, this really just messed me up today. Call somebody and ask somebody, hey, listen, help me out. Give me, you know, pray with me, do something. And and let me tell you, that's what we are supposed to do. The scripture says, bear one another's burdens. Not like, hey, listen, I sure hope, have a, see you next Sunday. Hope, hope you're still here, right? Hope you don't get wiped out. No, we should be developed. And, you know, that's one of the things I even like about this chili cook-off, doing things, being in one of the small groups. If you're not in a small group, I encourage you to be a part because that's where you start developing relationships. That's where you start getting to know one another a little bit more and you begin to hear about difficulties and challenges and you can begin to pray for one another. So don't let Sunday morning be all there is, which is, you know, if that's all you do, if you can't do anything else, do that. But I encourage you, we've got like four small groups. We've got Wednesday night. We've got a Thursday night uh, prayer group. We've got so many opportunities for people to connect. It's so important because this battle that we fight, we, don't, we, we guess we've got God, but we need one another at the same time. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Can I have everybody stand? I, I wanted to sing this song that there is power in the name of Jesus. And this song talks about breaking every chain. And those are spiritual chains where the enemy has tried to wrap his, uh, his ugly claws around your life, tried to choke you out. But I want you to declare this and just make it a faith declaration as we're singing this song. After we're done with that, and we're actually ending a little bit early, which is great, we're going to take a moment to pray for one another. Is that okay? All right, so don't, don't book out and like, oh, what's the song? We're going to have a very important spiritual time after this. So let's, uh, let's sing this.